I'm Scott. I'm another one of the elders here at Calvary. Uh, and I get to stand before you today to open the Word of God. And I'm here because as an elder, as we learn about who elders are supposed to be, uh, part of that is, is that we're supposed to be teachers of the Word. And although that doesn't necessarily have to look the same for all of us elders, uh, teaching doesn't have to come in this context. Um, for me, I felt like this was a step of faith that, that God wanted me to take, to practice um, and to, uh, to share God's Word and to teach uh, from the pulpit, uh, which is something that terrifies me. I, uh, I joked with Herb this morning uh, in, in our time of prayer that uh, when he asked how I was doing, the answer was terrified. Um, and I think that's been a good place. Uh, but um, the reason I'm terrified, slightly terrified, is that uh, this time... Uh, standing before you, I asked Ben if I could jump into his sermon series uh, and take a not a piece of scripture that I had already had God developing a a uh, message in me for, but to take a piece of scripture um, and to jump into it where we've been and uh, and try to teach it, um, of which I'm finding I I am terrified of. So if you guys would pray with me, uh, and then we'll jump in. God, this is your word. It's your story, and it is inspired, uh, Holy Spirit, by you uh, for Luke to write this story, to teach us more and more of who you are and who we're supposed to be. I pray that you would open our hearts, Holy Spirit, that you would give us each what we need, um, and that you would speak loudly. I pray in Jesus' name. As I said, I'm jumping into Ben's sermon series, uh, and it's entitled Empowered, and we've been working through the book of Acts. So if you remember two weeks ago when Ben last was here, um, we were in Acts uh, chapter 4, verses 32 through 37, and uh, Ben's message was entitled Empowered Love, but he talked to us about what it looks like to love our neighbors, what it looks like to love our fellow believers, our church. Um, and, he, and he addressed for us um, what the early church was looking like. So we're just going to review it. I'm going to read where we were. Um, and then the tail end of this section is going to jump into where we're going, which is Acts chapter 5, 1 through 11. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but had everything in common. And, great, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite and a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So at the end of, of uh, chapter 4, we get a positive example of the rest of that scripture. We get an example of Barnabas um, selling a field that was his possession and laying it at the, 
at the apostles' feet. Um, ben challenged us last week, and he asked us the question, uh, does this mean that we're supposed to sell our possessions? And I was very challenged by his answer, because his answer was maybe. Um, and I think we as Christians need to live in that tension of maybe. We had a great discussion about this in our community group the Tuesday after that, that sermon, um, and came to the, the spot of, of believing that uh, the real heart of it is that we as Christians are supposed to be open um, to whatever the Holy Spirit is doing in our heart. And we're supposed to have eyes that are open um, to see the needs around us and hands that are open to meet those if we are able. It's been a challenging uh, week to just process that. And then knowing full well uh, while he was teaching that, that I was going to get to follow it up. Uh, and so we're going to uh, pick the story back up with uh, chapter 5. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. And the young men rose and wrapped, up, wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval about three, of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in, they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. we let that scripture sit for a little bit, I think you'll understand why I was terrified. Um, but we're going to teach it, because this is where we're at. There's a bunch of things in this scripture that I think we need to deal with. Um, I'm going to pull out three big ones, and there'll be some sub points to each one of those. Um, the first one, and I wanted to leave it alone, um, but then I was at Contenders, I was studying for Contenders this week, and we talked about giving um, and the discipline of giving. Um, and I thought in my spirit, man, I can't leave it alone. I have to touch it a little bit. Um, this passage comes in the context of money. Uh, they're talking about um, in chapter, the end of chapter 4 and, and, uh, and the beginning of chapter 5, they're talking about the mishandling of finances. They're talking about proper handling in chapter 4 and the mishandling in chapter 5. Uh, the mishandling of our finances is serious business. Like I shared earlier, uh, in our community group, we felt like um, 
as we came and discussed what that last passage was talking about was that we are to have our eyes and ears open um, and our hearts open to be willing to, to let go of the things we possess to meet the needs of the people around us. Um, sometimes that's going to be money. Sometimes it's going to be time. Uh, Christina and I had the great opportunity this, uh, this week to be blessed by uh, some people from our community group in a gift of time. They saw a need in us, and they were willing to give their time uh, to help meet that need, and it's a blessing. And that's, I think, what we're supposed to do as Christians is, is meet the needs of the things around us, um, have our eyes and our, and our spirits open and our, and our hearts open to listen for that. We get an example here of, of Ananias who mishandled his finances, and it's kind of some serious... Uh, consequences as we work through this. But as I look at this scripture, the sin really wasn't the mishandling of of money. Ananias wasn't punished the way he was punished. Ananias and Sapphira weren't uh, disciplined and and, uh, judged the way they were judged because of mishandling of money. It was sin. It was sin that was creeping into the church. It would be easy to think as we read the scriptures, up, or read Acts up to this point, that the church was perfect. I think that would be an illusion. I think that uh, uh, it would be, it'd be inaccurate for us to think that the church was perfect. But this was a sin that, that was right in front of, of the church. And it was about lying. It was about hypocrisy. It was about deception of their fellow, fellow believers. See, Ananias and his wife wanted to lay before the apostles a gift, saying that it was everything that they sold their property for. They had seen the example of Barnabas. They had seen the esteem and the respect that he had got in the church, and that's what they wanted. It wasn't really about making an offering. It was about the glory that they would would receive for themselves. That's... Something that hit me as I've been studying this. And I had to reflect on my own life and, and look at my own life and go, why do I want to stand before you? Why do I want to preach the word? Is it for me? And I'm guilty of that sin. I hope not today. Um, but I know in my life I've been guilty of caring more about what other people think um, than I really do about God. I've, I, I've put forth um, at times in my life a image that I wanted people to see while harboring a different reality. I think it's common in our church. I think it's uh, in, in our church here. I think it's common in our church, in the church uh, universal, that it's human nature to want to be esteemed, to want to be significant. I think if we look back to the very beginning, um, Satan tempted Eve. Part of that temptation was to tell her that she would become like God. That her and Adam would be able to, to know things. They, they would have a worth that is more than, than what they currently believe. They, were, they bought into the lie in Genesis chapter 3. And it continues. If we look at Luke 
chapter 22, verse 24, we see it in the disciples. In Luke chapter, uh, in Luke chapter 2, or 22, a dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Again, we see uh, people searching for significance, people searching for the approval of men. We also see it in Peter, the very uh, person that's involved in this story. If you look in Galatians, uh, Paul talks about confronting Peter, about caring more about what the, what the Jews thought about his interactions with the Gentiles than he did about the salvation and the gospel going forward. It's common. It's a this struggle. It might even be a daily struggle. Uh, but it's something that was, was serious. Ben often tells us that Jesus is all we have. And it's true. I have no significance outside of Jesus. I have no real worth outside of Jesus. And yet inside of Jesus, I have tremendous worth. We all do. The last piece of this that I really want to bring out is, is the reality um, of judgment. See, because if I, as I read this, I do not want this story to go the way it goes. In truth, I want this to be, uh, Ananias brings his gift. Peter knows he's lying. Peter calls him aside and says, Ananias, I know you're lying. You probably don't want to do that. Jesus died for that. You're going to be okay. Well, let's, let's make it right, bring the rest of the money or whatever, but you're going to be okay. Jesus died for that. But that's not what happens in this story. See, somewhere along the line, Ananias um, has trickled into uh, deep sin. We'd be tempted to think maybe he wasn't even a believer, but I don't think we can accurately assume that from the Scripture. They were a part of the church. They were a part of what was going on there. But in verse 3, Zananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself some of the proceeds of the lie? See, he wasn't just lying to Peter. He wasn't just lying to us. He was lying to the Holy Spirit. He was lying to God. He had let sin creep in. We don't know what Ananias' life was like before he had been, become a part of the church. Maybe he had always struggled with financial sins and being somewhat corrupt. We don't know that from the Scripture. But, but Satan had a foothold and was able to lie to him. And I think it happens to all of us. You know, we start down a path and we think, eh, put my toe into that sin because that's not really that bad. Well, then pretty soon we get entrapped. And Ananias was so entrapped that he drug his wife Sapphira into it as well. This is the first time that, we're, that we see sin dealt with in the early church. And the consequence for this sin was judgment. 
was death. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. I don't know about you, but I like to live in this fluffy world where uh, American suburban Christian world where Jesus has covered all my sins and I can dabble in them and be forgiven, dabble in them and be forgiven. Um, and I like to live in the in the reality that that Jesus, or in the thought that Jesus isn't going to kill me, that he isn't going to, that I'm not going to die for my sins, that I'm not going to be judged for them. And the truth is, if we look at Romans 6.23, the wages of sin are death. Our sin deserves death. And it is, God is completely justified in taking our life. The weight of that has been heavy on me this this week, these last few weeks as I prepared this. The reality for me is that I stand before you knowing that if God wanted to make an example of me, he could, because I am guilty of sin. Um, I have been guilty of sin many, many times since I became a believer. Um, And yet, I'm not done yet, but I think I'm going to make it. And see, God has a history throughout Scripture of setting a tone. If we look back into Joshua, uh, after the Israelites, uh, after the battle of Jericho, um, we can look at the story of Achan, and Achan took things when he knew he wasn't supposed to take things, and God chose to make an example. And so Achan was killed for his sins. And I think this is the same thing that's going on here. God knew that sin was going to, sin was going to trickle into the church, and he knew he had to make a make a stand. This isn't Peter's stand. Although Peter was the carrier and he was the the guy that was standing there, this was God's uh, stand against the sin that was creeping into the church. The result of of this judgment was a great fear came upon the whole church. In verse 11, great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. We don't like living in fear in our world, especially, again, in our American suburban Christianity. Um, We don't like to live in fear. Fear kind of is associated with a bad feeling. But I think if we look at Scripture and we take a look at this, um, fear was good, a holy fear of God, a holy fear of the uh, consequences of our sin was a good thing. Proverbs 1.7, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Again in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Proverbs 19.23, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. I titled my sermon probably before I should have, um, but they needed a title, and I called it Power Outage. The reality is that 
uh, what should have been called as potential power outage. Because this incident did not uh, stifle the church. It instilled a holy fear that was uh, that uh, built in them the ability to experience real joy. See, fear of, of sin and that fear of God and, and his judgment of our sin uh, keeps us on a path where, where we will avoid our sin, where we can avoid some of the pitfalls of, of our sin. And that keeps the Holy Spirit active and working in our church, in our lives, in our body. Um, and it allows us freedom and joy. See, there's no freedom there's no real lasting joy in our sins. Amen? Anybody? <laughs> there is no lasting joy in our sins, but there is lasting joy in Jesus. In His grace and His mercy. We are filled with life if we live with that uh, bit of fear of, of what God is of who God is and His holiness and His awesomeness. Um, and if we understand that, that the, real, um, the real consequence, the real judgment of our sin, uh, very well could be death. I'm very thankful that it has not been, that God made this example and He put it out there before us um, because I have lived maybe way too much in my Christian life as a, as a man of grace instead of a man of integrity. I walked through this passage for the last three or four weeks um, confessing that on a very regular basis um, and confessing that before you, that, that God is right um, and, and uh, able to, uh, to judge my sin now and he would be justified in that. And yet, thanks be to Jesus, he has not. He has chosen to spare me. He has chosen to give me the opportunities to share with you and to, um, and to praise his name and, and bask in his glory and bask in his mercy um, and grace to us. Would you pray with me? Father, you are holy. And in your presence, there is no room for, uh, for our sin. And yet you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross to make a way. Because the wages of my sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you that you love us enough to give, you, give us your word that will challenge us not to live in our sin, but to move to a point of holiness, to move to a place where we could know you, where we could honor you with all of our actions and all of our deeds. And I pray that we would become that church, that we would care less about what others think of us and more uh, about who you are and, and all that you're worth, Jesus. in your holy name.